The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Everybody knows you as one of the best cover players that we've seen in a while. But when I watch you play, I have never seen a corner hit in the run game like you do, whether it was the play against Indiana, a couple plays against Michigan. How much pride do you take in that aspect when you look at everybody talking, corners don't want to tackle, corners don't want to do this, and that's an incredible aspect of your game. Um, I take a lot of pride in that. Um, My first year getting to college, I coached always told us like we're playing in the Big Ten it's no secret they're going to run the football so you got to want to tackle so um, I've just been a physical kid ever since Boone at the scouting combine Witherspoon comes in number one on the Chris Sims top five quarter cornerback cornerback prospects tier one three in tier one Devin Witherspoon number one DJ Turner of Michigan at two Christian Gonzalez at number three, critical position in today's NFL because you got to have guys who can cover all those great receivers. And, yeah, you know there was a time when the NFL was skewing toward the the, the bigger corner right. six two. Bobby Turner, remember him? He was like the first guy that was like, you know, it's it's a big guy that that is very agile, and you got to be a better athlete to a certain extent than the receiver because the receiver knows where he's going, the corner doesn't and it does help if you've got a corner who is willing to go get involved in run support it's like having an extra guy on the field when you have a guy who isn't just willing but anxious to go track down the ball carrier and put him on the ground yeah agreed right I mean it it just makes your defense overall better right it it can't always just be coverage of course that's the main thing for these guys but with all the screens and the speed sweeps and stuff like that to the receivers, right? These DBs got to tackle or they're going to watch Tyree Kill go up the sideline for a 70-yard touchdown. And to your point, that's the beauty of the DB thing, right? It, it is a little bit about, hey, what do we need? We got two smaller corners. All right, we need a bigger one to match up with T. Higgins or whatever. Oh, wait, wait we need a smaller, quicker one to match up with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and that type of guy. 
So it is a little bit of flavor of the month, what you need that way, who you're going to match them up with. And like you said, it's an incredibly important position. But let me just start off with the guy we just saw there with our man Connor Rogers uh, from NBC Sports. That guy right there, Devin Witherspoon, Mike, it's my new man crush in the world. I mean, Connor Rogers wasn't understanding it. It is like arguably the most fun film I've ever watched from a DB in my life. Now, you, you talk about rockets up your ass. The guy's got three of them. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. The coverage skills are off the charts good. You know, his quickness, his ability to accelerate. He's twitchy as hell. He can play the ball. And then nobody told him he's 180 pounds. He thinks he's 280 pounds. So, I mean, when he comes up to hit you, or even with bigger receivers trying to catch 50-50 balls, he's extremely strong and physical for his size. So, you know, this is a guy that, yeah, Mike, can play outside corner. Oh, wait, I got to cover Jalen Waddle in the slot here? No problem, coach. Oh, wait, I'm in the slot and they're running the ball over here at me? Okay, don't worry, I can stop the run. He can do it all, to like what you're saying. There's going to be no weakness about where they can put him, who they can match him up with. He was the number one corner in the draft for me, Mike. My new man crush, Devin Witherspoon. But but he's not all alone on tier one. You no. do have a couple of right. others that are up there with him. Yes. And 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 oh, let's talk about. Let's move on to the to yeah. the second guy then on the sure. list. What what gets him in almost the same breath with Devin, Devin Witherspoon? We're talking about. DJ Turner from Michigan. Yeah, so I'm a little higher, I think, than the rest of the draft community on DJ Turner. He's the guy, Mike, I didn't know anything really about him other than, hey, I knew he was a pretty good player and he ran the fastest time in the combine in the 40, right? That doesn't always translate to meaning you're the best cover guy, but it does in this case, you know, to where he might not. Watch some of this movement, Mike. Watch how it's just like no steps wasted. And, of course, his ability to turn and run, and there's nobody that can I think, honestly, with pure man-to-man cover skills and hips and smoothness in and out of transition and break and stuff like that, I think he's actually probably a little bit better than Devin Witherspoon. Witherspoon just has that physical element. But I love this guy, Mike. You know, I know I think I am, I'm a little higher on most. But when you look at this guy, I just go, this is a shut-down island corner. And like you talked about, you got to be faster than these guys that run 4-3. Well, they got a guy here that, you know, is going to be able to run with the Jalen Waddles and the Jamar Chases of the world and run that way and has a physical aspect to his game. Now, he's smaller. Like Witherspoon, it's right around 180 pounds. But the movement skills, the acceleration, the burst, all that, Mike, it's, 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 it's you know, some of the fastest people we've ever seen in football type of movement right there. And that's where I love both of these guys right at the top. I give Witherspoon the advantage, but, man, Turner's cover skills, Mike, and he's getting docked a little bit. I'm sorry, just one more point, because people talk. One thing I've heard and people brought, oh, 50-50 balls and all that, and I want to go, yeah, yeah, but I see other guys covering these guys, and they can't even cover them. They're wide open, so there's no 50-50 aspect. It's a 100% aspect. He's there, and, oh, okay, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's going to be a top-10 pick, for next year oh they it was great coverage but he still caught it you know people guard that as a negative I go no that's a positive he's right with them that guy's good he's gonna make some plays so I think that's hurt DJ Turner too Mike but I like him a lot I really like him and when you see him move like he does that acceleration in closed spaces like that change of direction that is what's critical because exactly. if the receiver gets a step on you right. you need to have the ability to close the gap right i got beat at the line of scrimmage but i was able to close the gap i was able to recover when he zigged i thought he was going to zag so i re-zigged and i caught up with him and you're right 
50-50, you're at least got a 50-50 chance against some of these freaks of nature who play receiver now. Right. Sometimes 50-50 is the best you can hope for because in other situations it's 80-20, 90-10, or 100-0 yeah, because exactly. these guys are just too good and they're, and they're wide open. Um, if you're covering the guy, you're, you're – you know, you're yeah, at that's, least that's in the more game than half the battle. Knock the ball away. Right, right. Yeah. Like you know, you remember AJ Terrell, the corner out of Clemson. He came out a few years ago. The draft community yes. was they were they were just eviscerating because he lit up three touchdown passes to Jamar Chase in the national championship game of Joe Burrow. Right? Oh, he let up. And you know, I'm like, what, just Jamar Chase. He's the best player in college football, and he was all over him. Like, it was just great catches and an incredible throws. So that's sometimes what I think you got to look at with DBs, too. Yeah, it's not going to always be perfect, but their physical ability to stay in the hip pocket of the greatest athletes in the world is ultimately what you want them to do. And this is where Witherspoon and DJ Turner have an incredible ability. You know, I don't know if Turner's going to go as high as I think he is, but, Mike, don't be shocked in, like, another year or two if he's in the best corner in, in football conversation. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, also in your tier number yeah. one. He's number three on the list. What got him to crash the party with Witherspoon and Turner? Well, like you know, I think the consensus is that this is the number two corner in the draft, if not the number one. Certainly, the number one big corner in the draft. He's six one. He's one ninety seven. Mike, you know, for his size, there he moves really well. I mean, he's special as far as. You know, his mechanics and his ability to come out of breaks and accelerate. Now, I don't think it's as good as the other two, obviously. The other two can run with anybody. This kid, you know, where some of the shorter jitterbug, you know, make a break, explode out type of receivers, uh, he's going to be okay, but he can't cover them like the other two. Now, where he does have an advantage is, oh, he's got to cover Mike Evans one-on-one? All right, well, this guy's got the size and the strength to hang in there against Mike Evans, T. Higgins, those type of football players, where he's not going to be as mismatched when there's some bumping down the field for a jump ball. So he's got a great combination of great hips. Of course, he's very fast. And then the size, but just not quite as explosive as those two that we just talked about. And I, I give them just a little advantage because, because of that aspect of their game. Deontay Banks from Maryland, number four on the list. He's in tier two for you, four three five in the 43rd fastest at this year's scouting combine. What do you like about him? Yeah, well, I, more like another bigger, thicker type corner. Got incredible ball skills. Has the makeup speed that you've talked about just a second ago, right? Runs a four three five. But what's more important, see, with like guys like DJ Turner and Deontay Banks, they run a one four nine split, Mike. And let me just explain that to people. They're ten yards split to the point you just broke out again, right? Oh wait, the guys beat me. He double moved me. Now I got to restart and go. Their ability to reaccelerate and get to top end speed is special. And this Banks kid's special in that department, let alone he's like in between Gonzalez and the other guys size-wise, and he plays the ball really well. Mike, I think most of the NFL community, it's going to be Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Deontay Banks. Those are going to be the three corners you're going to see come off the board first. I just think DJ Turner needs to be in that conversation. But like I said, obviously I'm in the minority. But, man, hell of a player in this Deontay Banks out of Maryland. And again, a critical aspect of defense in today's NFL, especially if quarterbacks are going to be given the time and the opportunity to get rid of the football, roughing the pass. We talked about it last week. That's being yeah. emphasized more right. and more. So the quarterbacks are going to be throwing, that's and right. you better have 
good guys down the field. We talk so much about how important it is to have a great pass rusher. But if they are going to be committed to putting that protective bubble around the quarterback, you better have guys who can cover or at least have a chance, who can turn 90-10 into 50-50. And you're still going to give up yards. You're still going to give up points, but maybe not as many as you would have if you got some good guys tracking That's down right. the receivers. I'm surprised anybody wants to play corner now. Right? Well, I'm surprised hear you, you can convince guys to do it. at the college, Like, you bring in a great high school athlete who could be receiver or he could be corner. What kind of Jedi mind trick do you have to put on him to choose to play corner instead of receiver? And I suspect that's been there for years, well, but I feel like it's probably even harder now than it was in the past. Yeah, yeah. You know what happens a lot of times, Mike? That, that situation figures itself out because the guy who ends up being the DB guy is usually the guy that you're talking about. He's in the receiver line, and he's like, whoa, whoa, those balls are hard. Oh, that quarterback throws hard, and he starts dropping them, and they go, you look like you're a DB. And that's usually how they end up over there. It's the guy, the receiver, a lot of times it doesn't maybe have, you know, some of the hand-eye ability, right? They're a little more, hey, just pure explosive strength, that kind of guy. That's the DB in the NFL, Mike. And the other aspect you got to talk about with DBs, it's probably one of the most mentally strong people or group of people you're going to come across in sports. Think about it. I mean, for the most part – they're only on highlights if they're getting burned for touchdowns. It's the only time we talk to them a lot of the times. they got to cover the greatest athletes on the planet. They're going to give up catches like you talked about, and they got to be able to just go, okay, so what? Next play, let me get in his face. I'm playing man-to-man again. And uh, that's where they're a, a special, special entity that way. Speaking of greatest athletes on the planet, Anthony Richardson. Pro day last week. Peter King and I talked about it some on Friday because he works on Friday and you don't. Uh, Richardson, Richardson is, and, and look, you got my attention when you were going over your quarterback rankings and you mentioned the superstar potential. Yeah. If I'm the owner of a team, I want Anthony Richardson because if he's not a superstar, I'll, I'll wait until the next one, but I'm not passing on the guy who may be the superstar for the guy who's just more between the buoys, check the box. I hear you somewhere in the top 10 to top 15 quarterback. I want the guy that's got top five potential and, uh, you know, Richardson, he, I mean, the moment he hit the roof at the indoor practice facility in Florida, that told me this guy's got, yes, superstar potential. He, he really does, you know. And, and, like, you know, he's got a raw element of his game. But, like, this stuff is, like, yeah, it's that's insanity in the membranity. <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, and he does it easy, too. It's not like he has to, like, work to throw the ball hard or far. And I think the other thing you're talking about here. You know, first off, the kid, as you heard me say during the whole process, he wants to play quarterback. He wants to play in the pocket. He is not looking to be like, oh, let me drop back and the first lane I see, I want to run. So he wants to do this the right way. And then he is a natural thrower. Does he need to work on a few things? Sure. It's not perfect like you see in some of these throws here. They look pretty. It's not necessarily always polished and quite on the money, right? There's some work there. It's the same with some of the stuff you see him making decisions but watch I mean this is where he does the backflip right I mean are you kidding me Uh, so Mike the other thing you hear with the kid and why I think he's still so highly regarded even though he's raw is as you see there or as you see with him on any time there's a microphone in front of him he's got a charisma you could tell he's a good kid he likes it it shows in his in his demeanor 
And that's what I've heard through the grapevine, too, that this kid wants to work. He wants to get better. So because of that and then the superstar element you're talking about, yeah, team, someone's going to take a chance on them because they're going to go, wait, he's willing to work. He loves the game. We can deal with Raw then. We'll, we can work and mold this, and that's where he'll be very interesting come draft night. Chris, something I said on Friday to Peter, there's a tension, I think, between the old-school football purists who yeah. are turned off by the charisma, the entertainment aspect, and – the people who realize, hey, we still got to put asses in the seats. We got to be relevant. We have to have people paying attention to our team. We have to have people buying the jerseys of our best players. And Anthony Richardson is a guy who's going to be magnetic. He's going to be charismatic. He's going to draw that attention. And look, going back to the ball hitting the roof of the indoor practice facility, yeah. I, I have a feeling he's done that before. Yeah, he tried to do that there. He, I have a feeling he did that on purpose. Exactly. Right? Yes. Because – if you do throw in that building from time to time, as he surely has, you know that you have to take a little something off to not hit it, and he wanted to have that. And, again, it's entertainment. It entertained me to see it happen. And it adds on to that the lure. last throw, right. on the last throw, the, the backflip was a great distraction from the fact that he did not hit his guy in. I know, right. His guy right. had to adjust to that ball. Yeah. But just as you're processing, boy, that's his last throw, and he really doesn't hit the guy in stride who isn't covered, who he throws to all the time, and this is his pro day workout, and he had, and the guy has to adjust to that ball. Just by the time your brain's processing it, you see him doing the backflip yeah. running down the field. Yeah. So there, there will be an element that loves him, and there'll be an element of the football community that harumphs about it because he's not the standard – typical quarterback but if he's if if you can harness that potential he becomes spectacular and he becomes somebody we're talking about every Monday morning or the morning after whenever his team's games are played yeah no, you, you you said it right and you, you're you're right with what you saw there with your eye again it's it's a lot of whoa wow but there's yeah there's a lot of those throws where you go oh wow look at that thing that's a laser but it's not exactly right on target but it still looks pretty and we talk about it. But, yeah, those are the things, again, coaches will they'll polish that and refine that with some of his mechanics and all that. But I'm with you too, Mike, in the fact that, yes, that was a deliberate attempt to hit the roof because it just adds to the lure. It's like throwing through the goalpost on your knees at the 50-yard line. They just talk, hey, this guy's such a freak. He hit the roof with the facility throwing a post route. It just is it, – it is, it's all part of it, and I'm not mad at him for it. It, it adds his draft stock and – you know, gets people excited about him. I I hope you're not saying that that means Anthony Richardson is the next Kyle Bowler. No, I'm not saying that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. And, and you know, to your point, too, you, you mentioned it and you hit on it. I mean, first off, we're seeing teams go down this, ro this route a little bit with the running quarterback. We're seeing you can win that way. Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, and then this guy right here, you know, with his ability to run and how big he is, like we talk about all the time, it's just going to let him develop because he's going to get very simple looks and pass coverage because of that running ability. And that'll buy him some time to get better and better in that department. So I'm excited for this kid and what his future holds for him. That third spot in the draft behind the Panthers and the Texans, where the Cardinals currently are, one position in front of the Colts at number four. That continues to fascinate me. Peter and I talked about this on Friday, Chris. I think there's a team out there that's keeping its mouth shut, just like Andy Reid kept his mouth shut before the 2017 draft, before he sprang up to get Patrick Mahomes. My guess is somebody's out there that is smitten with Anthony Richardson out of all those teams, 
and all those factors we've discussed, there's got to be somebody who's saying, this is our guy, and we're going to go get him. And Peter made the point on Friday that there was a team not in the top 10 that was in the mix to go to number one. And could that team uh, still be floating around to make the move to number three if the guy they were moving to number one to get is still there after the first two picks? And if it's Richardson, chances are he's still going to be there. Who knows, though? Maybe the Panthers or the Texans fall in love with him over the course of the next 24 days. But if he's there at three after those first two selections, I think that's when we sit back, grab our popcorn, and wait and see if somebody's going to jump up to get him at three. Because I think the phones will be ringing. The question is, Who's going to make the best offer to the Cardinals? And will somebody out of the top 10 make a better offer than somebody in the top 10? No, I, I hear you. I know. You know that's uh, the Colts and what, they're, what they do at four. That's going to be interesting. Uh, we know the, the Raiders. They're still, I think, in the quarterback combo. I don't know. I don't picture, picture them going the Anthony Richardson route. But the team that we're going to talk about a little while ago, and that says they're going with Desmond Ritter. They are one team that I kind of sit there and still go, are they just saying all this stuff so this guy will fall to him there? You know, are they trying to make a move? Are they Do they really believe in Desmond Ritter? Or are they laying in the weeds here and going to shock us all on draft night? I, I still don't put that – I don't think so, but I, I don't put it out of play, at least in my own mind. It's one of the ingredients. I mean, if they love Anthony Richardson, they're not going to come out and say it. That's one thing that we go through every year at this time. The smart teams either keep their mouths shut or they deliberately put out misinformation that works. But, you know, I've been doing this 23 years now. I pay attention to none of it. It goes in one ear and out the other because I know it's all potentially BS. The ones to watch are the ones that aren't saying a damn thing. Like, I I go back to 2006 when Kyle's dad, Mike, trades up to get Jay Cutler. Right. Nobody saw that coming. Cutler didn't see it coming. Cutler was not scouted by the Broncos. That's the way you do it if you truly want to throw. If you if you find a guy that you're in love with, the way that you do it is you lurk, you keep your mouth shut, and you make your move at the right time. That's the way when you're talking about a dibs-based system where everybody gets to call who they want and you need to get in position to get the guy you need. That's how you have to do it sometimes. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. We've seen it a number of times. Teams kind of lay in the weeds and come out of nowhere. You talked about it last week with Mahomes and the Chiefs. You know, they were, that was another one. So, yeah, it, 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 I would think, you know, you said it. Like, there's teams that are going to go, no, this is not our cup of tea. We don't want to play that style of football. But there's going to be teams that are just going to love the raw ability. And they're going to know, wait, we can play a certain style of football. And even though he's raw, we can make it work and still be very dangerous. Um, and that's that's what I'm excited for, Anthony Richardson's potential and who that team is that's going to take the chance on him. Still months to go until the first week of the regular season, but plenty of pressure out there in a variety of different ways, including the coach under the most pressure entering the 2023 season. We'll look at that and other topics in the pressure cooker when PFT Live continues right after this. Starting on the left. Chargers, Giants. Yep. San Fran. Who the f*** is that guy? No chance you're getting this one. Zero percent chance. No clue. Uh, Jets. Uh, after Jets, nothing. I don't even, I've never seen that man in my fucking life. Uh, so good. I mean, three in a row. I have no idea who those dudes are. That was our offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, for the Coles. Come on, Travis. 
Who's next to Dougie P? Who the f- You should know that? that one. You should definitely Miko, know that one. I know one. D'Amico. Who's the other one? You should know him because he's arguably your biggest rival. Oh, that is. Yeah, that's Cincy. He's a dog. Start with Matt Foley. Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Foley. Um, again, never seen this f***ing guy in my life. <laughs> it's my defense acquitted. Miami. God damn it. <laughs> There's no way that guy coaches in the NFL, man. Then Pete Carroll, Harbaugh. Obviously, you know, the next Rivera, Broncos country, let's ride. Gordon Bombay. We got the Packers. And then no clue. And then Bills. <laughs> Travis wasn't alone on some of those. We had to look closely like Dennis Allen, like who the hell is Dennis Allen? When (laughs) you look at that photo, Matt Eberflus took me a little effort and uh, the whole Shane Steich and Jonathan Gannon thing. I can't keep them straight. Even if I recognize either one of them, I don't know who's who, but uh, yeah, Travis Kelsey. Awesome. Awesome. How does he not know who Josh McDaniels is, though? That, he, that one. He doesn't me. know who anybody is. I can't forget that he knows them, but he doesn't know them. I mean, he played the 49ers coach in the Super Bowl. He still doesn't know his name. I mean, that's what I'm amazed by. All these guys, 49ers, Jets. He can't come up with their real name. He just got them associated with the team. Uh, that was that was amazing. Those two together are, are pretty freaking hilarious. Yes, the New Heights podcast, awesome stuff. That was a great video from last week as Travis Kelsey trying to name the coaches of the NFL or at least correctly identify the team they coach. I think he was at about a 65 to 70% overall, which, uh, again, it's a reminder. I remember when Ryan Tannehill was a rookie with the Dolphins and they did hard knocks in Miami, and he didn't know which teams were in which division. Yeah, It, it just goes to yeah. show you that right. the guys who play in the NFL aren't necessarily as aware of the nuances and basic facts of the NFL as fans are, and every once in a while it plays out to hilarious end like it did on the New Heights podcast last week. All right, which of the guys from that photo that we saw, whether you know their name or whether you don't, which one is under the most pressure, Chris, heading into the 2023 season? Give me one, the one that you think is under the most pressure. Uh, yeah, I got a few on my list. I got five names here that really jumped out to me. I think the one I'm going to go with more, though, than, than any of the rest is Brandon Staley of the Chargers. Uh, I think I'm going to start there. And, and you know, again, I, I got respect for what he's done. He's done a lot of good things. But, you know, the the fact of the matter is, just missed out on the playoffs the first year with a lot of controversial clock management, fourth down type of stuff that was definitely controversial. Year two, again, good year. This is the business we live in, though. They get into the playoffs, and they blow a 24 or 27-point lead right in the playoffs and lose the football game. So, yeah, there's pressure. Of course there is. They fired their offensive coordinator. They have one of the five best quarterbacks in football. They're really damn good, and it feels like, for whatever reason, that, yeah, he has a bullseye on him, and they've underachieved a little bit to a degree, so I'm going to go with Brandon Staley to start it. I'm going to go with the guy who literally may be living in a van down by the river if the Cowboys don't turn it around this year. The guy (laughs) that the Kelsey brothers referred to is Matt Foley, Mike McCarthy, The coach in Dallas, hey, be careful what you wish for. He's consolidated power. He's in charge of the offense. Yeah, it's all your fault this year, 
Mike, if it doesn't work. It's all on you. You can't blame Kellen Moore. You can't blame anybody else. The offense is all on you. And if it works, you're set. If it doesn't, you're done. And I really do feel like this is it for Mike McCarthy. And, and again, it's all on him if it doesn't work. And the Joneses, very, very insistent and Jerry desperate to get this thing working so they at least get back to a conference championship game, if not get back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I hear you there. I hear you. Yeah, Mike, well, I, another guy I thought on the, the, to put in this instead of Brandon Staley was Ron Rivera, just to, because you're in the NFC East. I do think it's got to be a big year. You know, if they don't impress, and we know that it sounds like the commanders are going to be sold here, that yeah, he's got to make a good first impression on ownership here. You know, they're a team that has some talent, certainly. The quarterback situation has been a problem. They look like they could go the Lamar Jackson route. Instead, they're going Sam Howell. So that all goes to, to him, and I think that situation, he was another one that was on my list. To me, it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's out and he's got nothing to lose at this point. There's no pressure. Like, yeah. let me go see what I can do and maybe I can convince the new owner to keep me because the new owner is going to want his own coach. That, that, so I don't even think of him that way because I just assume that they're going to clean house in Washington once new ownership is in place. And, and maybe new ownership, I don't know. I think he gets this year. And if he does enough, he gets another year. But I think some changes are going to be coming to Washington once you have new ownership, especially because all these people who were hired by Dan Snyder, they add to that that page that they're trying to turn when they move the new ownership. And uh, I feel bad for Ron Rivera, but I just feel like it's it's a foregone conclusion that it's coming. Bill Belichick also, we talked about him earlier. I mean, I think he's, yeah, for the I first know. time ever, under pressure. Not Maybe not under the most pressure, but I still look at what Robert Kraft said and didn't say last week when he was asked about whether or not Bill Belichick would survive another losing season in New England I think he's under real pressure this year and I think there's a chance they finish in fourth place in the division and I think there's a chance they have six or seven wins and if that happens there's a chance Gerard Mayo is the coach of the Patriots in 2024 Chris yeah that seems to be you know the name you hear right I think that's you and I have both heard that name that if Bill Belichick were to go that Gerard Mayo seems to be the guy in the leader house to you know take that take that position over um yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Obviously, there's there's some pressure. I don't know if I believe it quite to the extent that you're talking about, but it's there, no doubt about it. There is. And it's the first time ever that we're even looking up there in a long, long time to think that there actually is even pressure on that position. All right, the team under the most pressure to nail the upcoming draft. Again, it's only 24 days away. Every once in a while, we get a, a countdown clock. We've asked for it in the past, and it just kind of shows up. Usually, it shows up right over... I'm always going the wrong way. Did I go the right way that time? Nope. Right over there. Right over there is where it would be. Uh, who's under the most pressure to nail the draft? Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the Houston Texans here. Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryan, new head coach, Nick Casario. You know, it's another head coach under his regime. They got to get. They got to get some difference makers in this in this draft. They got three picks in the top 33 picks. They got the second pick, the 12th pick, and the 33rd pick. They got a chance to get three difference makers big time. You know, last year it was a pretty good draft, but that number three pick they had last year, the corner from LSU, well, 
Some of the things people worried about, they, they, it wasn't that great. It wasn't number two pick of the draft worthy. Sauce Gardner's obviously by far looked like the better corner. So they need to, they need to kick some butt here and kill this draft so they can kind of flip their team around and butts in the seats like you talk about and, and some sizzle players to, to make some plays for their football team. You go with the team that holds the number two overall pick in the draft. I'm going to go all the way to number one with the Panthers because they put themselves in this position. They have to get the franchise quarterback out of this group. And I go back to 2018, Baker Mayfield, first overall pick. Sam Darnold, third. Josh Allen, seven. Lamar Jackson, 32. The Panthers better get the right guy. This is one of the problems of having too many choices. At some point, you got to pick one. At some point, you got to select. And they're going to be thinking – until they know that their guy is the guy, they're going to be thinking maybe we got the wrong guy. We gave up all that stuff to move to number one, and we're no different than the 49ers of 2021 that gave up all that stuff to get a guy who hasn't worked out. Yeah, no, you're, this is a huge moment, huge, huge decision for them as an organization. They're finally you know, in the driver's seat to pick, you know, get the pick of the litter and, and, and frame their organization around it. So we'll see. They got the right people there. They got some good quarterback evaluators and people who have been around it in a while with Frank Reich and, and Josh McCown to where it gives me confidence that they'll, they'll make the right decision when all said and done. The one big dynamic that we can't understate, at least I won't understate, is ownership and yeah. who he falls in love with right. and what they do to steer him away if they disagree with the guy. You know, If Tepper's like, oh, Anthony Richardson, oh, Anthony Richardson, oh, this guy's a superstar, and the others have to steer him to a safer pick. That's where it gets very interesting behind the scenes. All right, quarterback with an – oh, there it is. All right, there it is over there, right over there. Uh, quarterback with a new team under the most pressure. Chris, there are several recognizable names. Which one is going to be feeling the most heat this year? Oh, come on. You know who that is. We know who that is. R-E-L-A-X. Well, not here in the Big Apple, buddy. We don't ever let anybody effing relax, okay? <laughs> we always got snarky headlines, and we always got tough questions, and we're always going to be like, hey, what the F are you looking at? Why did you throw to that guy there, Aaron Rodgers? You idiot, right? So he's going to be under the mess pressure. He's going to have to deal. Yeah, the Jets got high expectations. We know they're super talented. You know? And, of course, all the legacy stuff that you've talked about all the time, right, Mike, and him being hyper-aware. And, you know, we saw Stafford and Brady go to a new team and win a Super Bowl in year one. Here's his chance to – he doesn't even have to go to the Super Bowl. If they just do awesome and get deep in the playoffs, I think a lot of us will go, man, the Packers really never helped this guy before. But – with all that, yeah, that's the that's the one the one under the most pressure in my opinion. I mean, think about what he's doing. He's trading a conference where there aren't a lot of obvious great teams. There's a couple, Eagles and 49ers, but yeah. all that who the hell knows. Right. And then you go to the AFC where it's murderers row in your own division. You got to deal with the Bills. You got to deal with the Dolphins. And the Patriots are still the Patriots, yeah. even though they may be down. They're still right. the Patriots. Right. Oh, and you got the Bengals. Oh, and you got the Chiefs. Oh, and you got the Browns with Deshaun Watson, who could be a lot better. Oh, and Sean and Payton Jaguars and Russell Wilson and Herbert and the Jaguars. Exactly. My God. Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. That schedule this year for the Jets. That schedule this year, number one, it's going to have a ton of games, and I'm sure the networks are already wrangling to get as many of them as possible. But it's got a lot of games on there where even with Aaron Rodgers, man, 
It's not going to be an easy year for the Jets. There's going to be this presumption they're going to go 14-3, and 13-4. No, four. no. You look at that schedule, it's going to be a fight every single week. That's right. And they're not sneaking up on anybody this year. I mean, that, that's that's the other thing, too. But, yeah, I mean, between their own division, then you got to play the AFC West. I mean, that stinks. Who wants to play the AFC West and that crew out there? You know, they, they get, what, the NFC South is their, their crossover in East. the NFC? East. Oh, East. East. You're right. You're right. I saw the Falcons there. You're right. Damn, that's brutal. 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 Yes, you're right, Mike. That's uh, about as tough as it gets, and they're not sneaking up on anybody. So, you know, they better get him traded, get him there, get him some work, get him in the building, get him going right now. And you got a lot of guys on that team that aren't used to playing under that microscope, under that spotlight. There's going to be a lot of primetime games. Now we've got the the two short week games, I guarantee you the Jets are getting two short week games for Bezos and company. There's going to be an NBC Sunday night presence. There's going to be a Monday night presence. There's going to be 425 Eastern. I, you look at that schedule. Most of those games Most of them. are going to be 425 Eastern, if not primetime. There aren't going to be many 1 o'clock kickoffs this year for the New York Jets. Maybe the Texans, maybe the Falcons. Fal- that's it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the Browns, but if, if it's later in the year – and the Browns are good, that game's not staying at 1 o'clock Eastern. This is a team we're going to be seeing a lot this year, just like the Broncos last year. So a ton of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Be careful what you wish for coming out of the darkness, Aaron Rodgers. You may want to run back into it after you spend a month or two as the the quarterback, not head coach, but as the quarterback of the New York Jets. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, There's a new NBA CBA, and some of the provisions are so revolutionary that people thought they were April Fool's Day jokes. They're not. Will the NFL follow suit with the things that the NBA is allowing its players to do? We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez the hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock.
D'Amico Ryans oh, okay. took the first shot for Charity Sunday night before the Rockets played the Lakers, and there it was. Nothing but now, that's a free throw. I could make that. Oh, get out now, of here. I don't know you that I can make your it ass off. You choke and Brent. I don't know that, that I can thing. make He didn't really set, did he set? Hey, he took a little set. He didn't quite do the Michael Scott thing, but he took a set and he dropped. That's good. That was smooth. Hey, that's pressure. You got to do that. That's not quite. You ever see the video of Barack Obama when he's doing the walk-off kind of fade away? That's what I do. Yeah. He's walking out of the gym. That's more like along the side. That's a tougher shot. You got no chance of it banking in. You got to go nothing but net from the side. That kind of reminded me of that, but that was a tougher shot by the former president. D'Amico, though, full stadium, expectation. That's right. This guy's been a professional athlete. He knows how to walk out there and get it done. Well, you never know, though, like we were talking about before with the DBs, right? DBs sometimes, they're not always good in that department. They're not always good, like, throwing, shooting baskets, defensive players in general. So, But that was very natural. Perfect spin on the ball. I mean, yeah, he looks like he could be a, a tough competition or a tough out in a game of horse for sure. All right, some relevance this weekend between the NBA and the NFL coming from the new CBA that was finalized on Friday between the NBA and the NBPA. Here's the one that I know that, that you would uh, advocate very strongly mm-hmm. if you haven't already, very loudly. There's no further marijuana testing at all for the NBA. Now, the NFL still has it. They won't suspend you for failed tests only suspend you if you're in the program and you basically go above and beyond violating the terms of your treatment program to the point where you're defiant and belligerent that's the only way you're getting suspended in the nfl now but they still fine you they'll still fine you and you're going to lose a lot of money you still are not allowed to smoke marijuana technically if you're in the nfl you get tested once per year and everybody kind of knows when it's coming but guys still test positive all the time the nba doing the right thing and just getting let's just drop the facade and get rid of it it's legal in most of the states now for recreational purposes that's right let's just not worry about it anymore and uh, you know this is concern that guys are going to be so high they can't function well if they can't function then they get benched in the next man up yeah there's I always mean, that threat it's a meritocracy if you can't if you're so high you can't play that will take care of itself. And you won't play. Right. Exactly right. And, like, come on. Like, you know, hey, it's good they're getting rid of this. And, you know, the NFL has certainly gotten better in that department. But but at the same time, I mean, you know, the the testing's not necessary. It's not. It's not all time, all year round. Most of of these guys, the majority of these guys want to be great at what they do. They're not looking to, like, oh, man, I want them to – take away the drug testing rules so I can go to the shoot around high today. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to press LeBron James full court while I'm stoned. That's not what it's about. It's about, Hey, when the game's over and I've been chasing LeBron James all over the court, I'd like to be able to relax the way I'd like to. Cause like you said, it's legal and most States and it's medicinal and a bunch of other States and come on. It's a lot better alternative than what? Throwing down alcohol or some stupid-ass prescription drug down your throat. So that's where I always fight about it uh, or fight against it, Mike. And, yeah, I'm glad to see. The NBA is, has always kind of been revolutionary with this type of stuff, and I'm glad to see them continue that. Yeah, don't smoke marijuana to manage the pain. You're going to take this shot of Toradol that's going to numb your entire body right. and eventually wreck your kidney and your, and your liver. Gut. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. 
Um, allegedly, I don't know. I haven't done all the studies, but I know that there's been some anecdotal evidence about Toradol being very bad. There was a real sports profile, and Brian Erlacher was talking about it, and there have been plenty of players who yeah, had issues with Toradol. Right. Not to mention the fact that, as you've said, when you completely numb your body, you have the proprioception issues, and you potentially step where you don't know you're stepping, and the Definitely. next thing you know, you've ripped up your knee. Hey, it doesn't hurt because you're full of Toradol, right. but – Good luck walking off the field. Oh, it, it, that was a, a common occurrence. You know, it was almost sometimes like I used. I I first came aware of it with Rondé Barber, right? Rondé Barber, the new new member of the Hall of Fame. It, he would like it would be a Tuesday sometimes. He'd come up and be like, "Oh, because we used to go out to dinner on Monday night," and he would be feeling the effects maybe of the game a little on a Monday night because the Toradol was finally wearing off to where. You know, that's where when I think people are like, man, he this guy wasn't even hurt. And why does he show up on Wednesday hurt all of a sudden at practice? He didn't know he was hurt until Wednesday because he was numb. So he woke up Wednesday and was like, damn, my shoulder really hurts today, Mr. Trainer guy. And, you know, that's because of the Toradol. Like you're saying, he didn't feel it for the last while. And now it's it's worn off and it shows itself. So, yes. And then you talk about prescription drugs, what they do to your gut and all that. I got a number of people I know that I played with who yeah took that too freely in their days and they have stomach problems because of that too so let alone the addiction problems it can cause so marijuana much safer avenue and glad to see the NBA doing it hoping the NFL will too and I saw that item on Saturday morning and posted about it. And I actually started getting emails from people saying, hey, I think that may be an April Fool's Day gag. And it's, no, it's not an April Fool's Day gag. It happened on Friday. <laughs> We're writing about it today. It's not an April Fool's Day gag. And if somebody's going to come up with an April Fool's Day, ga- dag- day gag, they're going to do something more interesting than creating fake items for an NBA collective bargaining agreement that don't seem all that outlandish. And here's another one that prompted the same reaction. People are like, oh, I think that's an April Fool's Day gag. The NBA allowing players to invest in NBA teams, also WNBA teams, sports betting companies, and cannabis companies. Players are now allowed to invest. Wow. In, and I, why not? Yeah. Why, why weren't they allowed to exactly, do it? I think right? that's great. Right. I think it's awesome. Now, it creates potentially some awkwardness if you've invested in the team you play for and you get traded to a different team. Maybe some split loyalties when you meet that team you invested in in the future. But I think it's great. You know, I did the math. When you look at what the Haslams, who own the Browns, just paid for 25% in the Milwaukee Bucks. When you look at that valuation of the team and you take what Aaron Rodgers paid for 1% of the team and you do the math there, he's gone from $3.5 million to $35 million in the value of his, of his investment in just a few years in 1% of the Milwaukee Bucks. So why not let these guys – I mean, let these players act like owners. Why are the owners gobbling up all the equity? If there's players who can buy it and they're willing to sell it and you can circumvent any salary cap issues where you're not selling it below market, why not do it? Yeah, that's that the only thing I, I wondered. Like, was there salary cap issues? How do they do that? But you're, you're right. It's just it's – a, it's a great way to, you know, further your brand – Make the people that work for you love working for you and then give them other avenues to, yeah, sure, invest their money wisely with people that they know and can trust a little bit. Uh, I, I think it's it's brilliant in a lot of ways. The sports betting companies, the marijuana investing thing, yeah. I mean, again, we argue all the time. It's, 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 it's not fair you know, at times where the league's allowed to have all these these deals with you know the, the gambling companies and the players – 
they have to watch it. So very cool by the NBA. It really is. I don't know how the ownership thing works, um, but yeah, why not? If you have a great player for your basketball team and there's three, four percent of the team that comes available and he's a guy that you know you trust and want him to be a part of the fabric of this organization for a while, why not let him be a part of it and kind of help continue the growth of your team and the community and everything else? Free agency began three weeks ago today. Odo Beckham Jr. still looking for a new team. Some news over the weekend about what he's now looking for in a contract. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Right now, he's Bono walking around yeah. uh, New York City. But I've told him, I said, in this business, it doesn't take long to go from Bono to Bozo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so don't don't get your head uh, too big right now. But no, he he has been great, and uh, I mean, he goes to, to he likes to go to Ranger games at the Garden, and they put his picture up there, and he gets these standing ovations week after week. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it, it's a pretty cool thing cool. to see. How many people out there know who Bozo is? I wonder how many people know who Bono is at this point. But Bozo, the clown. Clown from the 60s, man. You're living in the past, man. Bozo the clown. I used to watch Bozo the clown before school in the mornings. Man, they had so, a show. I, that's right. I was like, wait, I know Bozo the clown. I didn't really realize if it was a movie or what it is, but it was his own show. That's what Bozo had? He had like a half hour show where the kids, it was like, you know, on the Simpsons, Krusty the Clown was a takeoff on Bozo. It was yeah. the whole idea. It was a half hour show and you, you, you perform for the kids and you play cartoons or something. I don't know. It was black and white. I remember that. But uh, Bozo, don't be Bozo, be Bono. And hey, he's right though. We've seen coaches who have a great first year flame out. Matt Nagy was coach of the year in 2018 and out of a job a couple of years later. It doesn't mean that you, you're going to be a Hall of Famer. It doesn't mean you're even going to get to a Super Bowl, much less win one. But what Dayball did last year with the Giants was remarkable. They'd been lost in the wilderness for a decade. Their roster was crap. And between him and Joe Shane coming in and turning that thing around, making chicken salad as quickly as they could out of the chicken crap roster that they were left with, it's impressive. Yeah. And it creates real promise. Does it raise the bar? Absolutely. But I think Dayball showed us last year he knows how to – how to take that bar even higher. And he's ready. Look, we talked last week about him in that photo. He, you can tell in that coach's photo, he's ready to keep kicking ass as a coach yeah. of the New York Giants. He's got a great way about him. You know, I mean, one, you explained all the things he did on the field. I think he has, you know, the same magic that we've seen work with the New York media or the fan base and all that. He's got that same magic with the players, too, off of the field or in the locker room. And he's got a great way and charisma with the media. I mean, he's just... He does. I don't. It's 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 a more, you know, affable, Bill Parcells ish type of way where it's like, you know, the answers are. He's always got a creative way to say something. He never is like too curt or mean with the media. He's very easy to relate to that way. I mean, the fan base they love him up here. He is. He is Bono right now. He's big time. And uh, you said it right. It was a, a remarkable year for what they had on that football team last year. And even though it was a funny turn of phrase, it is accurate because if they go 5-12 and 12 this year, yes, it's red nose time for Brian Dable. I don't think they will, though. What we saw last year is transferable to this year, and I think they'll only be better this year. 
and we'll see where where the Giants go. But it's a lot better than it's been, and it's a great vibe for the team to have with real hope going into the 2023 season. They'll even add to that if they end up bringing back OBJ. John Merrill last week didn't rule it out. Multiple teams are interested, but no one has signed him, Chris, because he continues to want more than anyone will offer. I was told $20 million is what he's seeking, or at least his agents were seeking. Now it's softened. Rich Samini of ESPN.com over the weekend says the thought is he now wants $15 million on a one-year deal. And remember, he actually showed up last week. He did what Lamar Jackson should have done. Showed up at the league meetings, met directly with teams face-to-face. But one-year 15, still too rich for the teams out there that are interested. And I think they just keep waiting and waiting yep. for those expectations mm-hmm. to drop. Samini suggests 10 to 12 with incentives. I think it's going to be more like 7 to 8 with very easily reached incentives per game roster bonuses to create to create a, an incentive to be able to play week in and week out and to protect the team in the event of an injury that keeps him from playing. I th- I think that's where it's going to come down and it may it may take a few more weeks, if not a few more months, to get him to the point where he'll accept that. Yeah, you're right. See where it goes. But, but you know, I think that's the general range there. Yeah, I, I saw that where he said 10 to 12. I went, ooh, that's, that's still pretty expensive. I'm actually shocked to hear that number. I'm kind of with you. I would thought it may have been that 7, 8, you know, with incentives and, and things like that to, to spice up the pot a little bit. But, but, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, and we know the GMs and how teams operate – and, and you explained it, I think, perfectly like two weeks ago. You know, hey, we're going to bring a guy in and give him $15 million a year. And then he's going to get, if he gets hurt, you're going to go, what was I thinking? He was hurt two out of the last three years with knee injuries. And he didn't even play last year. Why would I have done that? So that's where, you know, Odell's loved. I, everybody loves his talent. Everybody loves Odell the person. It's just this little injury issue that, it's scary, and nobody's going to throw that kind of money at him, as we've discussed. So I'm, I'm more along the lines of your thinking, Mike. Yeah, it was specifically in the context of the Bills. After last year, Vaughn Miller, they give him that big money, he tears an ACL. So you're going to give big money to a guy who's already torn the same ACL twice. Well, two different ACLs in the same knee. You're going to give him big money? after you just saw what happened with Von Miller at a time when everyone in that organization is under pressure, cross the bills off the list. I think it is going to be the chiefs or the jets. The question is which of the two offers is he willing to take? Is someone willing to blink? Is someone willing to budge? Is this part of the effort to placate Aaron Rodgers? They kick a little more money into the pot in order to get Odell Beckham jr. Does Rodgers take a little bit less to help finance the OBJ contract? We still haven't heard whether he's going to get that full $60 million this year or what he's going to do contractually. Remember, it's a low cap charge. Once you exercise that option bonus of $58.3 million, it's about $13, $14 million in cap money this year for Aaron Rodgers. So I, I wouldn't be inclined to take a penny less if I was him, but maybe there's a way to do it if you get OBJ. He will, I, I hope, I hope eventually find an offer that he says yes to. But there are parallels between OBJ and Lamar Jackson because until you say yes, you're not on a team. And if you're determined to get what you want and no one's ever going to give it to you, something's got to give. And this is where ego and pride and stubbornness can take over. Instead of letting a guy do what's best for his career, he just folds his arms and says, I'm not doing it until they give me what I want. Well, you're not going to get anything then. You're going to get zero if you don't at some point recognize what the market really is and make your best decision, Chris. Yeah, that, that is. And, and that's a tough part of a guy about, you know, the situation for OBJ. And I do feel for him that way. You know, we, we've hit on this. I mean, one, 
he's going, wait, I've had moments of being like the greatest receiver in the history of football. You know, I've been the best receiver in the game. You know, I'm still super, super talented. You know, so in reality, I understand his thoughts, but that's not the reality of the thoughts that the teams are going to have. And that's where he's going to have to make an adjustment at some point. And that's where we always get into go to Kansas City, be the man there. And then next year, you'll get whatever check you want. And it'll be a big number and make you really happy. What have you done for me lately years ago yielded to what are you doing for me right now? And what can I expect you to do for me tomorrow? That's all that matters. The catch from 2014 doesn't matter. Everything he's ever done on a field doesn't matter. What he's going to do for a team today and tomorrow is all that matters. Let's take a break. Odell Beckham's alma mater won the Women's NCAA Basketball Championship. We mentioned the controversy earlier from the Angel Reese taunt. Never mind the fact Caitlin Clark was taunting as well. We're going to look at the best taunts of all time in the NFL when PFT Live continues right after this. LSU beating Iowa on Sunday. Angel Reese doing the John Cena, you can't see me taunt. Also put the ring on it. Created a little bit of a firestorm on social media. People all over the board on whether that's appropriate or not appropriate. Never find, never mind the fact that Caitlin Clark was doing the same thing. And the night before. Oh, I mean, that's what she does, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. she beat yeah. South Carolina on Saturday night. Or, or maybe that was yeah. uh, Friday night. That's kind of her move. Like, what... what I didn't realize people were getting so upset about this. Like, what, what oh, about oh, – It's Twitter. I, it's I know. Twitter. Twitter is just the They're worst. They're always upset about Screw something. your blue check and your damn All right. uh, All right. Tesla All right. waiting center, okay? That, that, we're on a that, roll today. <laughs> what, are you, what are you, scared you know, of them? But when you do – you, you know what this? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. You, you do. You, I would just. I don't. I just. I don't. I'm You're already scared. Look at this show. Clip this off. Florio stammering and stumbling because he's worried Elon oh. Musk is going to send legal threats Elon. over here all of a sudden. He's all worried about it. <laughs> Can I finish? I'm already getting emails. People complaining that we're getting political, and it's like there's nothing political about what we're saying. So I just don't need that. What was the poli- What was political today. that we talked about today? I don't. I don't know because Elon Musk isn't a politician. So if we have complaints about the ways running Twitter, I don't know. But anyway, anyway, let me tell you this before we move on. Okay. This, you know, what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the thing that we used to do in school, where you would go up to someone and say, you know, if your hand is larger than than your face, there's uh, they've got a new study that you're 50 percent more likely to get cancer. So you would do that, and then you push their hand. Right. And and that's kids do that today in school. Yes. If you get beat up on the back end, don't blame us. Yeah. All right. Best taunts ever. In NFL history, that's today's draft. Go. Well, I, I I don't – I mean, the best to me ever is Deion Sanders high-stepping in the end zone. I mean, that that to me, nothing can beat that. I don't know. Again, maybe I'm biased because I was growing up in that era. But, damn, Deion running down the sideline and putting his hand behind his head and kicking his feet up, that was, like, the coolest thing going. And then what made it even better is a taunt – is he'd have people like legitimately chasing him, like, uh, 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 like trying to run as fast as they can, and he was still high stepping and like, oh, you still can't catch me. So that to me will always be my favorite. Uh, he's one of my favorite athletes of all time. 
And then the dance he did in the end zone was so cool. It was. He was the only one that could ever pull that off. Right. I've never seen anybody else try it. And anybody who has tried it, if it's they have look done like it, his. it wasn't nearly good enough for right. me to remember. It's right. only Dion who can pull that off. Um, well, the first one for me was dubbed in real time a disgusting act. But uh, it was very effective. The last victory that Randy Moss was part of with the Minnesota Vikings before uh-huh. his second stint with the team. 2004 playoffs, Lambeau Field wild card round. Couple of touchdown catches by Randy Moss. The final one punctuated by Moss going over to the goalpost, pretending to pull his pants down and rubbing his rear end against the goalpost because, as he explained at the time, they would moon him and the Vikings when they were on their way in. So he pretended to moon them back. Now, I don't know that the rubbing his butt on the goal. <laughs> and, and and Joe Buck did not like it. He said that is a disgusting act, and he was fined ten thousand dollars for it. The video spawned the the all time great. What's ten thousand dollars to me? <laughs> then are, are you going to write the check when you're rich? You don't write checks. Well, how do you pay it then? Straight cash, homie. There is a postscript at the end about what he'll do the next time. Uh, I won't mention that here. Watch the video. It's available on YouTube. One of the so greatest. That, to me, is the all-time uh, best. Yeah, it's, it's damn good. It's one of the greatest trash talkers ever. And a guy that's, like, so football IQ smart and is definitely was paying attention on the bus with people mooning them. And, you know, they just uh, I, I could see him wanting to get them back right there. That was, that was a good one. It really was. And it wasn't really that gross, honestly. We've seen worse here. It was funny. It was if, funny. If he pulled down his pants, it would have been different. I well, thought it was funny. We've had other people do peeing on the hydrant, and we've had people yes, actually simulate something. No, we had some football players get down on all fours. Doug and Baldwin. And Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin yes, thank you. Let's just stop there. Thank you. The we got you. Thank you. We got you. We know what you something meant. Something in your yard. Thank you. Your animals. Right. right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Miss Lippy. Okay. Like a coyote. <laughs> yeah, right. Big Phil's scared. <laughs> um, all right. I think the next one, I've got to go to Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp in New England. Well, called the, the you know what is he saying he called we are killing national the patriots guard. <laughs> <There it> is. <laughs> call in the national guard we are killing them <laughs> and we need to, they need help i mean that's he is an all-timer i mean there's a reason why he's you know can over t- over talk skip bayless on a daily basis right now he's got a big mouth but that was what just an ass whooping 1996 you know, look, you saw Ed McCaffrey in the background there, but this is one of the all-time great trash talkers in Shannon Sharp. Uh, yes, guy in the visiting team stadium willing to give it to the visiting team's fans. <laughs> that takes us to the guy who owns the Chicago Bears, even though he won't be playing them any longer, at least not this year. Aaron Rodgers, the I own you, I effing own you taunt to the Bears fans after scoring a touchdown, running it in. This was 2021, I believe, Aaron Rodgers, Packers quarterback. In he goes, and he explained, I've been hearing it from the Bears fans all these years. And the belt, and he put on the belt there, too, which is even better. And I I owned you all my effing life, Aaron Rodgers. I own you. I own (laughs) you. All right, let's take a break. Round three when this Monday edition of PFT Live concludes right after this.
All right, Chris is up next, and he's already told us his pick. Chris, take us. Oh, well, how could you not take this one? We never saw anybody do this ever in football history to this point. I mean, one, leave the end zone for a celebration, but two, to run into the middle of the star of the Dallas Cowboys in a fresh rivalry, 49ers-Cowboys. I mean, that was an all-time taunt. And, of course, we know what it led to. It led to him scoring a touchdown and doing it again, right? And, of course, it, a fight broke out uh, after the second time he tried to attempt this. And even Emma Smith got involved in it. So it was great. Oh, yeah. Cowboys player came out of nowhere. Was it George Teague? George Teague, George the old Teague? Alabama safety, right? George Teague right. came out of nowhere and blew up T.O. the second time around. All right. The last one for me, and this is a combo platter, because Tyreek Hill, very well known for the peace sign taunt to the end zone and while he's running full speed. And sometimes he'll do it sneaky because you're supposed to get fined for that. So you'll see it kind of like this. And he does it all the time uh, or did it all the time. Gosh, well, look at him go. it came back to haunt him. And there it is. I mean, he's just throwing it up. Yeah. He's, <laughs> uh, so Super Bowl 55, once it was clear that the Chiefs were done, Antoine Winfield Jr. was very smart, Chris, to wait until the last possible minute. This is the moment. Where, where, where is it? The game's over. Where's Where's the Antoine Winfield giving it to? Do we have it? Do we have it? There Do we have it, it on our way there out? It there is. it is. There it is. Stuck yep, it in got his him face. Back. There it is. <laughs> See you later, Tyreek Hill. See you later, everybody. Thanks for some time. We'll be back Tuesday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.